Hello, this is your host, Paul Harvey at Life, Passion and Business. I realise I put this at the end of the programme most of the time. And I also realise I don't often listen to the end of podcasts. So I thought I'd tell you here before we get started. So the first thing is this podcast is not supported in any way. We have no sponsorship. So if you would like to support us, do check out the Buy Me A Coffee link on this podcast app. And you also find it at the website. Okay, before I take you to the podcast, I want to give you a little bit of a reminder about the power of focus and accountability. This is the one tool that will really get you towards the goals you are seeking, towards the path you want to take. So listen to the end to find out more or check out the link in the show notes. Anyway, let's get you back to the podcast. My name is Paul Harvey, and you are listening to Life, Passion and Business, a podcast born out of my desire to find greater meaning in life at the time when I thought there was none. Since that day, I have spoken to hundreds of people. And what I have discovered is that our story is everything. Because what we do, feel or experience is based on the stories that we tell ourselves. It's time to explore what it means to live a good life. How do we make this experience better? And more importantly, how do we lead the world to a better place? Stage If you show up as the most aligned, powerful speaker, the entire room knows it. There's room for mistakes because if you're in alignment, the entire audience will be with you. Now, the weekend I was talking about digging for gold inside our journals and things, and I was digging for gold on my website. I was looking at old podcasts and I discovered one going right back to 2018 with Patty Lennon. It's episode number 49. It's all about public speaking. So I thought I would reshare it today because I, I thought it would be really lovely to hear about this one, particularly because speaking, I think, is such a powerful tool for us to express who we are and explore the world with that expression. What is interesting, what I thought would be a quick, simple journey turned out to be a very long journey. The podcast I had selected, I didn't realize had a terrible audio problem. I think I remember it now. I had used the wrong microphone and well, I'd used a headset and for some reason Zoom had selected the microphone from this really dodgy headset. So poor Patty, I don't know what she was hearing. She never mentioned the audio was bad. So I had to go into this podcast and I have edited my voice into places which were totally inaudible in places. I've left some of the audio behind of mine, but where I have, I've tried my best to boost it because it is pretty grim. So please ignore my words, but take in effect Patty's because her words are amazing. She is a very inspiring lady and well worth a listen. So I will leave the original intro in so you can hear that one and, and we'll go from there. Uh, because it is so far back, by the way, some of the links and things that she's suggesting in the podcast will be uh, gone. So what I'm going to do at the end, I will put you the latest link so you can get in touch with her because she is an amazing lady and her content is brilliant. So do enjoy the conversation with Patty Lennon. You are listening to episode 49 with Paul Harvey and Patty Lennon, the woman whose mission it is to bring back the soul into businesses. Patty is a business coach, keynote speaker and author. She is the woman that inspires people in business to lead and sell with passion and purpose. So tell me, do you want more speaking gigs? In this podcast, we talk about the challenge of getting 50 gigs in 50 weeks. Now, Patty has a competitive nature, so accepting that challenge was exciting. 
but it was not so easy when she discovered in the middle of the challenge that her mother had had a relapse and needed cancer treatment. We talk about authenticity, about being real and in the moment, and about presenting emotions on stage because it is both powerful and a memorable experience for the audience. Patty believes that business must be more than a way to make money. They must contribute to our fellow human beings. And she's committed to helping entrepreneurs to learn to grow their businesses from a place of love rather than fear and experience the true power and prosperity and peace that arises when they do. Patty mentions her faith in Jesus and her interest in other theology and how that works for her. Now, if that bothers you, please see beyond because this conversation is very valuable. I hope you enjoy the conversation with Patty Lennon. Yeah, the high level. Um, well, I grew up a um, pretty in a pretty, pretty traditional home. I was an Irish Catholic, raised Irish Catholic, went to Catholic school, and was a, you know, by the book kind of girl. Um, straight A's, always working towards the next thing, the next thing. Um, fell into banking, um, built a career in banking. And it was exciting. It was fun. And then I had sort of a uh, existential moment where I thought like, you know, does my life matter? Am I doing anything that's worthwhile? And in the context of my Catholicism, would Jesus be proud of me essentially? And I sought counsel from one of my coworkers who I knew to be very spiritually aligned and a good human being. And um, she shifted my mindset around it and basically helped me see that, you know, we, we make difference where we're planted and that if I was in the banking world, it's because that's where I could make the biggest difference and for me to just start looking for that. And I did, and I, I shifted a lot of my extra energy into mentoring people. And that became a passion of mine. And I started, I, the bank agreed to pay for a master's in psychology. And so I started working towards that in the goal of, at the time I worked for city, there were positions within the bank to do more executive coaching type work. That's what we call it today. Back then we didn't. And, um, but by the time I was ready, the banking world had started to kind of implode on itself and that was no longer an option. Um, and so I was working knowing I would leave and, and start my own business eventually uh, we were acquired. Our division was acquired. I ended up manifesting a package that took that was worth about a year's worth of salary and benefits. At the time, I had two small children, and my husband and I contributed equally to the household, so that was kind of necessary. But even then, I was still doing things by the book, always making the right choices. And I was working with a coach, Martha Back, to get my coaching certification. And at the time, she has a lot of coaches now, but back then, she didn't. So we were a very intimate group and we were out in the desert in a retreat. And all of a sudden I started to know things that I had never known before. I started to realize that I had intuitive abilities. So that started to change things drastically. Um, and I kept that to myself for a few years. But um, over the course of starting my business as a business coach, my mom got cancer and I was her primary caretaker and that took me on a completely different spiritual journey where I finally just agreed to just open to my gifts. And probably the biggest commitment I made was to share them from the stage. And that was kind of how you and I came to know each other because I took on a challenge. And it was actually while my mom was dying to do 50 speaking gigs in 50 weeks. 
And when people heard I had completed the challenge, they wanted to know how I did it. And so I, you know, I wrote um, an ebook, I gave some tools, you know, and then eventually put together a program for it. And um, that was you and I met because someone, you know, actually heard me say, talk about the challenge and that he might be taking it on. And you said, but I forget what you said, something like, do people actually do that thing? <laughs> And there we are. We're back at today. <laughs> so, I mean, okay, so what is your goal now? What do you do now? That, that was a nice potted history. Thank you. Thank you. This is a nice journey. That was like a nice, yeah, meander through, through time. Um, so I am a business coach. I'm an intuitive business coach. I have a lot of fundamental business skills um, coming from the banking world, but I then blend in you know, my knowledge of psychology, how the brain works. And then, you know, I work at bringing in people's guides and angels when they feel blocked. Um, and most of my clients want to speak. They call, they feel called to the stage. So speaking isn't my, the center of the plate for me. It's just one of the tools that I use to help people grow their businesses. So speaking is important to you. Yeah. I think speaking to me is the most important thing people can do if, they feel if they're drawn to their businesses to serve, meaning they're not there, they didn't create a product to make money, but they're really drawn to serve. In a world that's so tech heavy, the, the one space where I think as leaders, we can show up and truly offer our, offer our gifts in a vulnerable way is from the stage. And I think the world needs more contact with people. It needs, you know, intercontact. It needs more vulnerability. It needs more honesty, and and those are more readily available on the stage. So, do you think it's possible to do it in a virtual situation in terms of that that vulnerable connection, or do you think it's only possible in a live in person situation? I think depending on how you choose to show up, you can be very vulnerable in a podcast and a video, but it's a choice. When you're on the stage, if you are not open and honest you can you can be not open and honest but people will know you know they like we are we are programmed as human beings to interconnect and it and the medium you and i are on right now it limits how uh how magnetic that um that pull is, I guess. I guess watching most politicians at this moment in time, we live in a very strange political world, and you can see that they're not really connected with the words they're saying. So I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I also remember doing coaching. I started coaching 10 years ago. I, I did some coach training in this country. And I, I remember doing face-to-face coaching, and I remember the, the uh, tutor saying, well, let's try this back to back just so you can experience how this works without. And you can be very vulnerable. Because I remember doing some coaching with someone literally back to back. So I couldn't actually see them. And all I could do was hear. And it did actually work. So I guess it is possible, I should say, but it's a choice, isn't it? You've got to choose to be there. Yeah. I mean, in my coaching sessions, work you know we've created it's all they're all virtual for the most part but because most of my clients don't live where i live um 
but the space, you know, I've done the work to create the vulnerable space, which means the safe space. The thing about speaking that's different than coaching is that in coaching, for it to be effective, both people have to be willing to be open and honest and vulnerable. In speaking, the responsibility is on one person and it's the speaker. And that be- creates a much more beneficial relationship if, you're a, if you want to be a leader around changing people's lives because you've taken on the burden of, of vulnerability and you have created the place where other people can learn and grow without having to invest as much as you're investing. So it's clear that you were challenged to do this 50, 50 speaking the, uh, events in 50 weeks. Uh, yeah. You took that challenge on. So what drove you to do that? What, why did you think this is a good idea? I'll go and do it. And in the middle of your mum dying, your mum having cancer. So how did you do that? Yeah. So when I, t- when I agreed to the challenge, I will say I didn't know she was going to die. She was in chemo and I was very hopeful that she was going to come through the chemo. It had been her second time because I don't think I would have had the courage to do it. I was sitting in my mastermind and whining about the fact that I wasn't getting more speaking gigs because I felt I was a great speaker and I felt like other than I was seeing speakers who did not care about the audience and I cared deeply about them and that should have naturally led to people wanting to put me on their stages. Um, And my mentor said, become so great that they can't not have you on their stage. And that was a huge aha for me. And I, and so my next question was, that sounds awesome. How do I do that? (laughs) And she said, and there was, there was eight people in my mastermind and five of us wanted to speak a lot more. And she said, do 50 speaking gigs in 50 weeks. And the five of us were supposed to take on the challenge together. And I'm, you know, I am not a competitive person on the surface, but I am a competitive person. So when I was like, all right, game on, who's going to get to- Just for the sake of my audience here, the the beaming face that's coming back in the Zoom here, you can see the competition beaming out of her eyes. Well, you know, it's so funny because I am the least athletic person. I have zero hand-eye coordination. I mean, there's just, I could go on and on. So growing up, the only place for you to really play in competition was in sports. And so I never even tried because I was so pathetic. But as I got older and debate became an option and then some other things, I became highly competitive, but it doesn't show. So yeah, it it lights me up like nothing else. So what happened on this adventure? So there I was, you know, engaging this competition and being super quiet about it because I have this competitive thought process. If I know someone's let's say at 10 and I'm at nine, I'll get to 11. Right. And I didn't want to spur anyone else on at moving quicker. So I was pretty subtle event. You know, occasionally if I found a really cool way to find speaking engagements, I would share it with the group. I wasn't being, you know, they were on my mastermind, but anyway, the mastermind ended, we weren't at the end of the year yet. <laughs> and, um, I said, Hey, um, guess what guys tomorrow or today, I forget what it was is my 50th speaking gig. I'm, I'm, I've done it. And, and where are you guys? And they were like, what are you talking about? And, and everyone else had forgotten the competition, including my mentor. 
they had no idea. They were like, oh my God, that's amazing. How did you, why did you do that? So there I was for an entire year um, competing against, you know, phantom mastermind team. So that was, that's, that's how I got there. Good gigs, or did you have some gigs and you go, oh, this is all speaking here. Did it work out for you, or were you picky and choosy? I was not picky and choosy because, and I'm glad I wasn't. Um, I, I Actually, I was choosy based on the audience. So I, you know, when I started the competition, I put rules in place for myself, because otherwise you're kind of just, it, 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 you need, everyone's brain needs context and structure. And my mentor wasn't telling me how to find gigs. Like she wasn't an expert in this at all. So it was all me making it up. And so the rules I put in place were it had to be my audience. And that was defined by, you know, women entrepreneurs. Um, It had to be, um, there had to be at least three people in the room. It had to be in person. So it couldn't be a a webinar or conference or what were, you know, a zoom conference. Um, and um, other because I mean, it must mean travel is a significant issue of this, isn't it? For some people, because other you know people have taken on the challenge since then. Depending on where you live, it is. I live in Connecticut in the U.S., so I am able to get to Manhattan and I'm able to get to Boston with about a two-hour drive. Um, so yeah, I did. I did travel. Uh, a lot, but it was, I, I have small children. I was able to get home at night, even when I did it. It's fascinating that, that you did this. Uh, and I guess you've got, that, you've got a whole system now which people can buy into about how to actually do it for themselves. Yes, and actually you asked a question where some of the engagements crap, or I forgot how you, you didn't say it that way. But you put the word on, yes. Um, <laughs> and the reality was that, yes, they were. There was one... Um, I was specifically targeting women entrepreneurs with children. There was one engagement where I held a, an infant through the entire talk and had a toddler wrapped around my leg and walked around with him on my leg to keep the women engaged. There was another talk that I did in a barn that the sound system failed. Um, there is, I mean, the, the stories are hysterical, but what's amazing about that is you, if you were, Going into it thinking, I'm going to get speaking gigs, and you're really thinking about how to serve yourself in the process, you're going to say no to these particular types of engagements. But it was these engagements that taught me how to be a great speaker. Because in, you know, in anything that creates an adversarial relationship with your environment, you have to either rise or crumble. And, and if you're trying to achieve something, you're going to rise. Yeah. They say, you know, you have to do 10,000 hours in any chosen subject to actually become a master at it. But surely doing 50 hours, 50 speaking gigs is again 50 hours. I imagine you are not phased by anything uh, that you come to face these days if you were speaking again. You know, oh, look, there's a child. You know, it makes no difference now. You know how to handle yourself in all of these environments. Yeah. And, you know, actually the one that I was at, that the person that tagged me that you know, that engagement that I was at, at the beginning of the engagement, they weren't sure that people were interested in my topic. And so they asked people to raise their hand on who was interested. I was the last speaker of the day and that's considered the anchor. And the anchor is a pretty challenging spot depending on who goes before you. 
you have to wake everybody up. Yeah. And, um, and I host my own big conferences. So I put the obligation on myself to wrap the day in my speech. I don't give a canned speech. And so I put a lot into it. And the guy that was hosting didn't know me well. It was his VP that had put me on the stage who knew me. And so he goes, okay, well, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, you could just leave at the end of the day, like leave before I got on stage. Oh, thank you. And um, so I stood up and I said, actually, no, you'll all stay because I'm awesome and you'll be glad you did. <laughs> and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able, and, they, and there were some that were not happy that I was there. They were not happy with what I had said. But by the end of my speech, they were fist bumping me and telling me I was their favorite. So there you go. <laughs> but, you, but I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not, you know, gone through you know, the equivalent of a Tough mutter. I don't know if you guys have that in, in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like I did the Tough mutter of speaking. So pretty much nothing phases me now. So can you give us one tip for how to go about finding speaking gigs? And I know you've written a book about it, but it'd be interesting to know what you think. But the one tip that I, I want everyone to do right now, because it will put speaking engagements coming into your inbox without you doing anything, is to set up a Google alert um, and what you're going to do, if you don't know how to set up a Google alert, then you have to Google that and figure that out. But it's very simple. You set up a Google alert and what you want to put is call for speakers in quotes and then whatever your topic is in quotes. And anytime an event puts out a call for speakers in your topic, anywhere in the world, when it goes live on the internet, you will get an email letting you know that that's out there. And that's not the best way to find gigs because it's reactive, but it's the easiest and it's silly not to have it in place. Yeah, that's a good tip. So outside of this, this speaking venue, the speaking process, so what, what is your business now? It's a coaching, primarily coaching. Yeah, it's um I work with women entrepreneurs who are service based um that are looking to grow their business and and I typically work in the range of 60,000 to about 300,000 so there's two bumps that happen in that range when you're in the 50 to 60,000 range the first bump is to get over six figures and it doesn't need to be it's six figures isn't what's important. It's just that those numbers happen to correspond with being at a place where you have consistent income in a way that you can have a consistent team in place to support you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for me, the clients I work with is people who feel concerned about doing something that violates what their soul knows to be true for them. So it's how do you do that and not be manipulative in your marketing and not be, you know, a jerk in your sales conversations and really how do you show up and serve other people and not be attached to the outcome and still grow really and it's possible it's about having that strong why and being congruent with it in your process which is why and which is why i'm such an advocate for speaking because you can be this person who's so committed to alignment and potentially online you'll sometimes lose out to an asshole. Sadly, some people lie and cheat to get what they want sometimes. Yeah, but on stage, if you show up as the most aligned, powerful speaker, the entire room knows it. The entire room knows it. There is no, you know, you can, 
falter in, in the content you give, meaning you could forget something you were going to say. You could not hit all the pain points. You could do, you could make, there's room for, for mistakes because if you're in alignment, the entire audience will be with you. That was very insightful. Have you had any um, speaker training like Toastmasters, for example? Well, um, I have since gotten speak training from Gail Larson, who wrote the book Transformational Speaking, and she's amazing. I did not go through Toastmasters primarily because um, when I was in the banking world, I was on the merger team when City merged with Travelers years ago, and I was going around the country for two years making speeches to, to groups of people who were really you know, it, I was in the inside the company and to our insurance agents who were really resistant to a lot were resistant to the merger and really needing to get buy-in and, and help them understand that. So I actually had two years of pretty difficult environments that I spoke in. It was different because what I was speaking about was just facts and figures. There was a little emotional stuff that went on, but it wasn't me selling me. But I had been speaking for years you had the skill base already. You knew how to put a speech together and how to top and tail it. And yeah. So what's, where's the passion for you? Is it the speaking? Is it the people? Or is it all of it? Um, I mean, for me personally, being on stage is my very favorite place to be. But the passion for me is in that moment, when another human being knows a hundred percent deep, deep, deep inside them that exactly who they are is who the world needs them to be right now. And they feel free to, to be that person. And if that happens at a cocktail party, because I get lucky enough to find someone that's willing to go deep in a conversation, or I see the light in my kid's eyes, or I'm a girl scout leader and, and, and a girl who hasn't spoken suddenly understands she has a place or my client, anywhere. That's my passion. Had that passion? I have, you know, it's funny. They go, you know, you always hear, what did you want to be when you grow up? It tells you who you want to be, you know, something about who you want to be. And when I was little, again, taken to, into account my context, Irish Catholic girl with missionaries in my family, I wanted to be a missionary. And my motivation was, and again, I didn't understand the, the other religions in the world. Like I, I didn't come to it from a place of wanting to convert people. But the idea that someone was hungry, um, didn't have a home, lived in a, in a place that was poor and did not know Jesus loved them broke my heart. I can remember it as clear as day back when I was five years old, the first time I found out that that was the case. That's still relevant to you? Are you still a um, Christian from that perspective? Um, that's such a hard question. I, I mean, I now see that I can learn from Jesus, that I can learn. I'm just learning about Muhammad. I actually never really understood his life story. So I feel like there's a number of beings that incarnated to give us some guidance. And so do I feel like Jesus is the one and only God? No, that doesn't really resonate with me anymore. Do I respect people that do? Of course. I, just like I respect other religions who see that, you know, as their path. But what's still true for me as a Christian, like I think what's at the core of what I learned in my religion is that do unto others as you would have them do unto you, really.
So we come to our success question. How would you define success for yourself? I mean, you know, we have this this story that we're given, but at the end of the day, we have to define it for ourselves eventually. So I think I was lucky enough to experience the traditional, because although, you know, I don't know how much of a difference in age you and I are, but I was, my parents were older when they had me. So I was raised by depression era kids, right? So I had a fairly similar mindset and I had, a, I stayed with the same bank for 15 years and I could have continued on. So, and I was successful. I got straight A's. I had the house. I had the kids. I had the car. So I got to experience that. So I think that's, I do think that's an advantage for me for the answer I'm going to give you because I did get to experience it. And I think it gives you a certain amount of peace to know that it was, that you're not creating some other definition of success because you couldn't have the other thing people told you you should have. I can tell you that thing created, so the way that the mind works is we're constantly at battle between the amygdala, which is your fight or flight response, the part that says, do you have enough food, clothing, and shelter, and your prefrontal cortex, which actually creates that higher thinking. And so, you know, that having those things kind of get your amygdala to power down. So you actually have more space for that higher thought and that spiritual experience of life if you don't make yourself crazy in the process, which obviously lots of bankers do. But at this point, you know, my idea of success is um, there is a money component. It's to have more than enough to care for my family. Um. But, and I have my own podcast called Wealth and Purpose, and that's what we explore is like, what does, what's the difference between wealth and money? And to me, wealth is you have more than enough to pay your obligations and to care for the people you love, but you have more than enough time to spend with the people you love. You have more than enough space in your head to spend time with yourself and with source or God or whatever your word is. And um, I, I, I have not achieved my definition of success, but my definition of success is to spend the majority of each day feeling that I am showing up fully um, for the reason I came. And, and at this moment, it's what I told you my reason is, but it, obviously that changes as you evolve. That's a nice definition of success for me. I really enjoyed that. Thank you so much for that. So tell me, this question is a bit of a strange one, but is there something that I should have asked you that I didn't? Can there be two answers? It's your, it's your slot. You can say exactly what you like in this slot. <laughs> um, well, the one thing that, you know, so Gail is the person that taught, you know, that I trained with on speaking to become a transformational speaker. And she always asks the question, what's alive for you right now? And so what's alive for me in the context of our conversation that I didn't get to share is that when I was doing the 50 speaking gigs in 50 weeks, um, I had booked a couple of keynotes and my mom was enrolled in the, you know, she was very close, we're very close. So she knew what was going on and she was so proud of me for getting these keynotes and one happened to be close to us. So she and her girlfriends bought tickets to that conference months before it was happening. And as we got to that day, uh, it was clear she was dying. I mean, she was within two weeks of, of crossing over. And it was clear she was not going to be there. 
And what was also, what was unclear for me was there were three in the space of those weeks. And I had to decide, was I going to fulfill those commitments or not? Could I fulfill those commitments in the, in the emotional space I was in? And I decided to cancel the two. But the one that she had a ticket for, she looked me in the eye and said, you are going. You will not be here. What I've always done and what I've always believed is that we are only responsible for our 100%. And my 100% in any given moment may look different than your 100%. So if you and I both want to be speakers, but I've got all these advantages of all this history, God or source is going to expect a lot more from me in order to succeed than from you, like boots on the ground work. And so if we just show up and do our 100%, the universe will take over. And so I said, okay, what's my 100%? What is the 100% I can do? And I said, I can get dressed and I can show up and I can get on the stage. But beyond that, I do not know what I'm capable of doing. And so I did it. I did my 100% with my mom's friends in the front row. And when I got on stage, something took me over. And delivered the most powerful keynote I had delivered at that point to date. And in that moment, I found that what I had been telling everyone about your 100% was actually true. <laughs> and also that there was this tremendous amount of energy and information that is available to pass through us if we can get our egos out of the way. And that to me is such an important conversation to someone who might be listening to this and thinking about taking the stage or just is feeling, you know, ready to stay in alignment that if, if you just do your hundred percent, even if in your mind, your hundred percent does not equal success, the magic that will happen on the other side of that is just mind blowing. So I think I'll leave it at that. I think that's a good one. <laughs> certainly. We've certainly demonstrated something here because we were talking about whether you could move people in this kind of environment. And you've certainly moved me, and I can see you're moved in this conversation. Mm. So thank you for sharing that with me and us because uh, I've, I've got tears in my eyes as well. So, so um, <laughs> I really appreciate that, what you've just given me. Thank you very much. Yeah, and, and I don't plan my speeches anymore either. And people are always amazed. They're like, how did you speak for an hour when you didn't like you didn't memorize that and that that's so true it, it really is you know you can there is there and it's not just you know some outside source that's working through you it's you've got this body of wisdom within you that is edited by your ego and so you get out of the way and it's it's amazing it is i think it's also the skill and, and the experience yes so you must be the first person I've had on this podcast that has declared a faith in the podcast. And so that's a little different for me. So the next question is about meaning. And so what I'm going to explore with you is how do you, you know, what is the purpose of us being here? Because it's like we're born here. We have this whole life journey mapped out before us. What is the meaning of it all? What are we here for? Poof. I'm not, geez, I don't know that I can answer that question, but yeah. for me, okay. Okay. Um, well, my, what I believe is that we incarnate many times 
um, that were birthed into the world the first time as this baby soul that has neither, you know, negative or positive context. And we do that because when we're not in the earthbound environment or another environment that is not with God, that it's like, you know, it's like getting sunshine every day, right? You, if you have only sunshine, you want some contrast. And so, you know, so I believe that this earth environment is essentially the uh, extreme sports of soul living. So you say, I need something else. I need something to rub against. And you're birthed as this new soul and that stuff, you know, for better or worse, kind of takes the shine off you a little, you know, it's, there's stuff that you end up doing on the earth plane that when you get back up to heaven, you're like, what the fuck did I do? (laughs) That's not me. And then you're like, give me another round. I'm going to do it better this time. (laughs) And then you just keep incarnating until you return to the being that you know you're capable of being even when shit goes down around you, that your soul becomes more powerful than your brain and, and that we do it willingly. And then for me, in this particular go around, my meaning is defined by two things. It's forgiveness. Like I've, I've been served up so many opportunities to forgive people. And that tells me that whatever went down in the last lifetime, I wasn't very forgiving. And um, to help people know that they are not alone, that if I show up fully, that another human being in my presence will know that they are not alone. And that is it. So Percy, if people want to get in touch with you and take advantage of your coaching or your wisdom, how would they come Well, um, you know, I think the easiest way to get on someone's email list is that we have ethical bribes. So I have an ethical bribe that's contextual to this conversation. If you're looking for speaking engagements um, and, and, or you want to get on my list, um, you can go to pattylennon.com, P-A-T-T-Y-L-E-N-N-O-N.com is my main site. And then forward slash 12, will give you the option to get that download and that you can get the download without opting in, you know, um, we're GDPR compliant. <laughs> um, and, uh, or you could just, and then you'll be on my list. And typically when I am talking to my people, it's in the context of what I just shared. I don't send stuff out except to help. And then um, if you want to talk to me personally on that site, there's a contact form. Um, you could just email me patty at pattylennon.com. And then I have a podcast that's brand new. I mean, I'm like thinking 16 episodes in called Wealth and Purpose. So you can find me on the podcast world there. Um, and then, you know, all my social media handles are on the site and, and all that good stuff. But <laughs> And that was Life, Passion and Business with a past episode from Paul Harvey and Patty Lennon. While I remember, Patty was also a guest at our Reasons and Results event back in 2020. So if you want to catch up with Patty, you can certainly find her on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find her at her website, which is pattylennon.com. And let's not forget the podcast and the book, The Space for Magic. Now all those links, including the details of the Reasons and Results event, can be found at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. 
And if you're one of the first five people to drop me a message using the contact page with free access in the subject line, I will get you a link so you can access the Reasons and Results event for 45 days. There is some fantastic content in there, so it's well worth it. Okay, as I mentioned at the beginning, now is the time to discover how to find some more focus in your life and get things done. We all want to move forward. We all want to find some measure of success in the world. Now, I say success with inverted commas because I have a different view of success, but another time. The point is, we always want to move forward and to see change in our lives or to see change for the better. And very often, some of those things we're trying to achieve, trying to do, there seems to be a resistance. There seems to be something in the way. So I want to talk to you about a thing that I call focus coaching, and it's called turbo coaching by some people. It was something I learned in my coach trainings over 15 years ago. And I used to use it a lot with my marketing clients. What we do, we establish what it is you want to achieve and what is in the way of achieving it. What are the blocks you're coming up against and what it is you need to put in place to move through those blocks and then, help you make a commitment to actually achieve it, to do what you say you're going to do in the time frame that you choose to do it. And that is called focus coaching for me. And it is so powerful. When you set out a clear objective and you knock down all the things that are standing in the way of it, more often than not, success of achieving that goal comes, comes your way. For more details, check out the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com or check out the links below on this podcast. Now, finally, has this podcast been useful to you? If so, please consider giving us a five-star review on the app of your choosing and, of course, sharing it with a friend because that's how people like yourself find good podcasts. And that's it from me until Sunday. As always, thank you so much for being here with me on this journey. I so appreciate your time and attention. I'll catch you next time. All the best. Bye.